of what WBAI brings to the table. And if you appreciate what we do here on a regular basis, please consider becoming a financial supporter to this radio station by calling 212-209-2950 or go to give to WBAI.org online. It is now 7 p.m. Stay tuned for Off the Hook coming up. Stay tuned. Local telephone company trouble in the area you are calling. Your call cannot be completed at this time. Please try your call later. 078P. We're sorry. The number you have reached, 99.5 WBAI, is now off the hook. Good evening to everybody. The program is Off the Hook. Emmanuel Goldstein here with you on this Wednesday evening, joined tonight by Kyle. Yo, everybody. You know, um, I, I forgot to hit this button here. And what happens when I hit this button, our audio changes. So we sound good now, but as soon as I hit this button, who knows what's going to happen? You ready, Kyle? I'll try. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it in the middle of a sentence. That way you can see the dramatic difference when I start <laughs> Oh, no. That's awful. Wow. Um, okay. Is this okay? How do you sound now, Kyle? Uh, I think I'm okay. All right. Now, our friends over in Skype land, they're the variable here. Uh, let's say hello to Rob T. Firefly. Hello from a variable. Okay. He sounds all right. He sounds all right. Now, Gila, let's hear how you sound. Hello from a slightly different variable. Okay. All right. And, um, okay, there's no avoiding it. Um Alex, let's see what you bring to the table. 
Yep. Good evening from another variable. You could be a little louder. I don't often say I that. Could. I don't often say that, but you, you could be a little louder. All right. Interesting. I'm, I'm using a different setup tonight because I'm in another location. Okay. Where are you so. now? We always uh, around the world. Yeah. Well, I'm in Florida now. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm visiting with my mother and here with the family. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's been a little cold, I have to say. Okay. A little yeah. cold in Florida means what? 55 degrees? No, it's been below freezing. Really? Here. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this whole bomb cyclone thing was no joke. It is, uh, it is extended you know, latitude-wise as far down as Florida. I mean, it, it, it was literally below freezing here. People were freaking out. Yeah, it's unheard of. It's, um, uh, I think it's by decree, by the governor's decree, uh, people don't have heaters. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what this governor is decreeing and what he's not decreeing. It's believable. He's, he's not my favorite It's guy, believable, but, for yeah. sure. He could, he could do that. But I know a lot of homes in Florida do not have heaters because they don't expect it to get this cold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, why would they, right? I mean, it's just, it's usually the other way around. I mean, usually we come down here in December, hang out with my mother, and it's 80 degrees. We're at the pool. I mean, it was, and even today we were, we were at the pool, but it was. Wait, a lot wait a minute. It's below freezing. Hold on a second. It's below freezing, but you still went to the pool. Well, not today. Today was about 60 something degrees. I'm, I'm around the Tampa area, so it's starting to heat back up again. So it was maybe 65 degrees, but the water in the pool, which is a heated pool, was mm -hmm. around 85, I think it was. So the temperature in the pool was much warmer than the temperature outside. It was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting feeling. All right. Well, we're five minutes into the show now. We've covered the weather in Florida. So let's, uh, yeah. let's try and move on because we, we're not on that often. You, you might have noticed we weren't on last week. And folks, I got bad news. We're not going to be on next week either. There's a lot of different uh, emergency fundraisers going on, and we need to also remind people to please pledge what you can afford to WBAI so that we can continue to transmit, which is very, very important in, um, in, in the life of any radio station. We don't have commercials. We have alternative programming. And um, when we are on the air, we try and cover as much of that as possible. Tonight, it's the last show of the year. And as... We believe this tradition, even though every time I do this, there doesn't seem to be any any uh, history of it. But I thought that we were predicting things for the year ahead and um, reminiscing over things that just happened this year. So what we are asking everybody to do, as is this alleged tradition, which I think maybe we did it on overtime last year. Maybe that's why uh, it's not on the actual recording of the show. Um I'm going to ask people to um, uh, basically tell the audience what the most important story you thought this year was in the world of technology or hacking, and also uh, a prediction for something in the world of technology coming up in the next year. Who would like to start? Who's prepared? <laughs> I did. I did warn you a couple of days ago. So <laughs> I, I can. Oh, I, I can uh, start because. I did. Uh, I did look through a bunch of the stories we covered uh, over this past year, and I don't know if this is the most important one in the greater technological sphere, but it's one which uh, meant rather a lot to me. Um, and it was the story about the end of an era in New York City as the final payphones were removed, and then the update to that story. Um, and this was back in May. The update to that story soon after, where people were still finding payphones everywhere that worked, and the big announcement was basically 
nothing uh, for no reason. I think I think that big announcement was um, uh, propaganda that was uh, fed to the media, and they bit. I think it. I think Link NYC had something to do with it. Where basically they were saying, I I, I forget where I got that information from. I, I, someone told me, and I, I know that's not, uh, you know, extremely reliable source. Uh, Kyle, you know more about that. Well, now that you mention it, what I recall of it was that the um, the servicing of existing ones was no longer going to be happening. Is that is that how uh, we covered it at the time? Do you remember? I think I think we it covered the, it with with uh, you know a lot of doubt at the time. Right, the, the I think it was Titan, some of the ad companies that were sort of more or less maintaining them as ashtrays. Yeah, some of them definitely were pulled, uh, and and on mm-hmm. the west uh, west side of Manhattan, I believe some were taken away. But people were sending us pictures. As uh, there's a payphone in Rockefeller Center in the subway, that <laughs> people keep sending us pictures of they there's mm-hmm. and and working too. So they do still exist. They're few and far between. I think there should be so many more of them. And, and you know, the, the emergency situations that we've been experiencing in this state uh, are, are one reason why uh, every time there's, there's a hurricane or a storm or a, a blackout or something, people realize the importance of payphones, landlines, things like that, things that are up when everything else is down. And yeah, you know, you don't make money off of it. it uh, the phone company doesn't make a profit. It shouldn't be about that. It should be about the public service. And you may only need to use a payphone once a year or less. It's good to know it's there. Imagine if, if every village had one payphone that you knew where it was and it was kept working. I, I think that would be a good idea. Yeah, what really struck me about this story was the big deal they were making of it at the time. They were they pulled out um, payphones, uh, let's see, on 7th Avenue between 49th and 50th Streets. They had press there. They made announcements. It was a whole to-do. And uh, after that, um, a site called Hellgate uh, NYC um, called themselves from a payphone and uh, reported on the results. Everything was still working. This was a payphone, I think, in uh, 14th Street subway station. And, uh, of course, there are, there are others still all over the place. And uh, it, it just it strikes me how it was a big deal. As you said, it was a PR move. It was an announcement that they were making to drum up interest in Link NYC and all this stuff and like end of an era and everything. But, uh, you know, there was this disconnect from the reality of um, the technical world out there. Yeah, I think it was also drumming up publicity for the exhibit at the Museum of the City of New York <laughs> that the city's last payphone was being transported to. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this was definitely, I think, an interesting sort of situation where everybody kind of seized on a moment and it turned out not to be the case. But I think they were saying it was the last city sponsored phone that, you know, there could still be pay phones that were not municipal in the same way. I don't think the Um, average person cares about that. If it's municipal or <laughs> run by a company. I well, mean, the solution I think we kicked around was this should be something as a priority in some form or another, like one designated one that is maintained, et cetera, et cetera. And we're a year on and still nothing has, has emerged. Uh-huh. All right, Rob, did you have a prediction? A prediction. I'm going to predict that payphones continue to stick around for 2023. We're still going to find them out there. We're not going to get rid of the last uh, few stragglers. Um, they're still going to be there's still going to be at least one working payphone in the city, which uh, I think is a prediction that not everyone will agree with. But uh, maybe I, it's 
it's what I think is the case. What's yes. interesting is, uh, you know, uh, in 2600, the magazine that we all are affiliated with, um, we've been printing pictures. It started uh, way back, uh, 80s maybe? Was it that far back? Uh, definitely the 90s. Uh, we just printed a foreign payphone, and then people started sending in pictures of foreign payphones. And we have two uh, color pages that are devoted to um, uh, um, payphones, four, four payphones per page. And that is the feature that we still get the most mail on. People still send, even with all the payphones being disconnected and dying, we still get all these uh, pictures of payphones that managed to exist somehow. So I hope you're right, Rob. I hope you're right that the payphones continue to, uh, to exist or we'll have to fill two more pages with something else. Uh, but people are very enthusiastic about it. And some of those payphones are real works of art as well. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to see them. And people are enthralled by them. And we need to have them around. They do serve a purpose. Okay, I'm going to do um, uh, my, my reminiscing first and, and my prediction. I'll make it quick. Um, the story for this year for me, and I, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this because I don't want this to be the story, but the story is Elon Musk's taking over of Twitter. Now, it's not, you know, for personality reasons like he would want it to be. It's, it's basically about what it means to society. And, you know, I, I, looking at um, uh, the level of discourse um, uh, in the past few days, past few weeks, seeing it, seeing it go down so dramatically, uh, just looking at the, um, uh, the anti-vax propaganda that's, that's, that's out there uh, is, is, is so disturbing. You know, basically, health is being affected by the misinformation that is now being encouraged on Twitter, which was not being encouraged... In, in, in years past, in fact, it was, it was being acted against because we're dealing with a health emergency, and we still are. We still are dealing with this. It's not over yet. Look around. Look at what uh, is happening in other parts of the world and what is happening here as well. You know, it's, it's, it's not normal yet. It's improved, sure, but the facts of, um, of medicine, the facts of science have not changed, no matter how much you may want them to. Uh, and unfortunately, what Elon Musk has done is allow these people who know, don't know what they're talking about. You know, I, I, I caught one guy uh, basically spreading misinformation, uh, saying that the, the vaccines are causing more people to die than anything else. And he had a doctor in front of his name, making it seem really official. And all these people were retweeting him and saying, oh, yeah, you know what you're talking about. And I looked him up. He has a doctorate in artificial intelligence. That's it. And knows nothing about medicine, knows nothing about diseases. But this kind of thing is, is, is basically being encouraged now. So you not only have uh, liars and, and, and scum like Donald Trump Jr. And, and all the others that are out there uh, just basically saying the most vile things and um, uh, getting attention for that. Now you're being rewarded for it. You're being encouraged to be the lowest common denominator. That to me was the biggest story. The fact that something that, you know, it, it wasn't a great place to hang out. Twitter, uh, but it, it, it served a purpose. And now it seems to be serving a really bad purpose. I don't think we should abandon it. I don't think we should run away. I think we should fight. We should, um, uh, you know, challenge these people at every opportunity uh, and, and, and not let them get away with just spreading lies. And, and, and that goes, that, that, that's true in any forum, whether it's here on the radio uh, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in the newspaper, wherever you see lies and, and, and misinformation being encouraged and spread, 
keep in mind, a lot of people don't know the facts. They'll believe the people who sound the most authoritarian. It's a real danger. And that is how you lose democracy. That is how you spiral into um, uh, a literally very unhealthy um, uh, place to live. And um, it's just it's just a really negative development, a really negative development. Now, you know, there could have been good. There could have been good that came out of um, uh, his takeover of the company. He could have um, um, basically added features that people wanted. In fact, you know, he is doing that to a degree. If he stuck to that, and uh, I mean, just today, there was this ridiculous um, uh, picture that he posted where basically he's accusing anyone who believes in Black Lives Matter, vaccines, uh, or literally anything. Uh, CNN was one of them. Uh, They are brainwashed. Those people are brainwashed. And people who basically uh, dismiss all of that are the enlightened ones. He's gone full right wing, and um, it's it's really it's really sad and disgusting. Um, my prediction for next year, you know, it's um, it's kind of related, I, like like Rob's. It's kind of related because I think um, I think truth is going to really be something that we're going to see as valuable. It's going to be redefined. It's going to be fought over, but it's going to be the theme. You know, what is true? And what is a lie? We just had this guy elected uh, in um, uh, Long Island uh, for Congress. Turns out he's lied about everything. He's lied about where he worked, where he went to school, how much money he has. You name it, he has lied about it. He hasn't said he lied. He said he embellished, which is a big difference. Um, Basically trying to minimize it. But... Try that on a, on a job interview. If you go to a job interview and you, you lie about where you went to school and what your experience has been and just about every other detail imaginable, you think you're going to get the job when they find out? Probably not. And why should it be any different in this particular case? So I think things like this, as we see the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world start to get more power, um, we're going to realize that just because we say something is true and we know it's true doesn't mean that it's true. It's 1984. You know, all somebody has to do is say, no, nope, I don't agree with that fact. I don't agree two plus two equals four. What are you going to do about it? I think 2023 is when we're going to have to do something about it. So a little bit dark, but that's how I see it. Who's next? Gila, go ahead. Although, because, unfortunately, um, well, maybe not unfortunately, but Emmanuel, I also think that Elon Musk and what's been happening at Twitter has been, that's my biggest story of the year. You can't use and, my story. Well, I'm sorry. I've been Damn. thinking about it all day long. You said we needed to be prepared. And I've been thinking about this since you said we needed to be prepared. You cannot pull this kind of last minute switcheroo on me. So I'm stealing your story. I'm sorry. But you just said you're stealing my story. That means it's not I'm, an original idea. I'm approaching it from a slightly different perspective, Uh though, if that helps. All right, go ahead. And I would like to begin by sharing an uh, illustrative story. Illustrative. Anyway, do you guys remember there was a, a thing that would be like in a store sometimes and you could put a penny in it and it would like make circles around until 
it fell into the coin collector. Anybody um, know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like a donation yeah, like vortex thing. bin or something. Yeah. 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 Right, like they were collecting money for the Shriners or something. Sure. I don't and know you, why you couldn't you just give penny. it to them, why you had to do all that, but... Because it makes it exciting. It's fun. So you put the penny in, and it would make very large, slow circles. And then it would get faster as it approached the center. And I sort of feel like Elon Musk and Twitter has been like that. We knew this was coming. He started talking about it for a while, and he was trying to get rid of it. He was trying to get out of the promise he had made. And those are the really big circles at the outside. And as time has gone on, and he had to go through with it, and then he took it over, and then he fired all the staff, and the circles have been getting quicker and quicker and quicker. Mm -hmm. And I'm just waiting for the penny to drop. Because it has become such a mess with... Everything that has happened with the firing of all the staff, with things he's doing that are skirting legality, certainly in the European Union, I believe, in terms of employment and privacy and things of that nature. It, as we have discussed, it is not a fun time to be someone who does not identify as a cis, straight, white male with far-right politics on Twitter. And as a person who does not identify as those things, it's a scary time to be on Twitter. And it's interesting to see the the better the Fediverse and watching people trying to get into more decentralized social media. And I was actually saying to Rob last night, can someone be the main character on Mastodon in the same way that someone can be the main character of the day on Twitter? <laughs> um, it's interesting to see networks building and rebuilding and so my that, that was my big story of the year is watching Elon Musk melting down and melting down Twitter my prediction for next year is that it's just going to keep getting worse <laughs> and it's not going to continue to exist in the same form for much longer and I don't think he will be the owner and or the CEO probably by June. Well, he's not supposed to be the CEO now. He got voted out by his own poll. Oh, I know he got voted out. And then he said if he can find somebody crazy enough to take it over. Like, he... That wasn't part of the vote, though. That wasn't part of the no, vote. It wasn't. He has no, to, it was not. He has to step down by his own rules. But it's also been interesting watching people... I saw somebody say something recently, you know... I, everybody said he was a genius and I didn't know anything about electric cars. So I assumed he was a genius and I didn't know anything about rockets and I assumed he was a genius. And mm -hmm. now he's talking about stuff I actually know about and Oh, not a genius. I think not that's true of many, many fields because, uh, and you know, we get this all the time. People will say, I know nothing about technology or computers. You guys know everything. And no, we don't know everything. You know, <laughs> it, it, it staggers my imagination how little I know about some things. And, um, uh, it's basically, I think you just have to remember that somebody who has studied a particular field for a long time is going to know more about it. It's going to seem like magic to you, but they are a human being just like you. And um, I guarantee there's a subject that you each know the same amount of, and there's something that you know more than they know about. So That's incredible uh, that you bring this up because, I mean, for me personally, that's that's... The whole reason I got involved with and was interested in 
uh, hacking and telephone systems and computers is because I didn't know anything. I didn't have as much access. I wasn't um, in the same on the same academic trajectory, so to speak. I, w- I didn't have the the acumen to study computer science the way other people can can do readily now. Mm-hmm. And um, I just followed my curi- curiosity and and um, and tried to soak up as much as anyone would ever teach me, whether it was something I was reading about, um, conversing or hearing about online, uh, reading um, information websites early on, and and um, that that is critical. That's why we're here. We're not here to be experts, and um, that's. It, I think we get really lost in the um, the uh, news cycle and this sort of PR celebrity. Um, uh, culture we have in this country, it does not apply. Like technology should not be something that is um, full of of um, uh, s- just uh, sole superstars, superstars here yeah. and here and there, and all the other people well, are just workers. You, you know, know? To, to emphasize that point, uh, and we're not going to name names, but uh, just think of some superstars. Have they let you down, or have have you basically rejected them at some point? Inevitably, that is what happens when you live in in a world of superstars. They get torn down. They they turn out to be human, and you're disillusioned by that. It, it, it's it's best to not even go down that road. The the um, importance of what people are saying, what they're talking about, what we're doing in general in the discussion. What what kinds of things are we uh, addressing? Um, how are we change? How are we changing our approaches and the ways we think about technology um, and its effects on on our uh, society, on our families, on our uh, uh, um, workplaces, etc. Um, and it just so happens it involves security and or um, uh, software and and different um, emerging things um, when we talk about it or when we. Um, encourage people to to write and and uh, share what they've experienced or what they've seen. So um, that is the spirit that um, I think gets a little bit. It, it becomes either an assumption or it's like um, stating the obvious. But we should restate that like we should not aspire to be telling others how things are and being the expert and like shooting down or just like. Um, barreling through organizations like we should be there to to grow and and have a little bit of a little bit more listening um, mm-hmm. in in the process but uh yeah and that that's that, that's one thing that bothers me about the age we're in right now is that um we've all been equalized uh if you're if you're reading a story in 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 a newspaper online uh people are given the opportunity to comment on it and their words mean just as much as the person who poured their life into into researching the story and 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 putting it into words and publishing it you get somebody who knows nothing about it basically they get to completely dismiss everything that that person has done in their research and somehow that's considered to be fair and it's it's not it's not fair at all um we need to be able to um, uh, defer to people who have who have studied something more than we have uh, who have more knowledge in a particular field as they should when it's about something that we know something about. You know, it's, um, we seem to have lost that skill. And just beware of, of tech industry PR. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, pretty filthy. Yeah. Like payphones are gone when they're not. Yeah. All right, Kyle, you're next. Um, oh gosh. So a story from, 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 uh, 2022. 
Well, off the top of my head, and I know this is something I've repeated over and over again this year, and I can tie it into deep philosophical things. Don't be Elon Musk. Please, not Elon Musk. No, okay. it's right to repair. Oh. Um, I talked about it a lot. I guess I'll use the story. I didn't look back through as many stories as I it's, would have liked to. It's in the news. But we talked about um, uh, heated seats as a service. This broadly parallels so many software as a service and web 2.0 things what we're building on top of the infrastructure that we've come to know as the internet and uh, kind of coming off the last topic like yeah this grand networking experiment socializing and networking we've realized you know zero trust is is actually where we're headed like it's maybe not ideal to have complete connectivity to everyone because everyone is not necessarily um, uh, going to uh, have your uh, interests necessarily um, in mind. And it, it can become um, chaotic very quickly. But my, um, my thought really behind Right to Repair in a deeper philosophical sense um, has to do with in our um, Western society, uh, the tendency towards, towards monopoly, that, that is, um, something that is a very real aspect of, uh, the capitalist system. And what we are experiencing is when firms consolidate for the sake of shareholders, instead of creating better, better products and, um, uh, care for the kinds of customers they're having and built on the sort of disposable, um, planned obsolescence. I mean, abject consumption for the sake of um, more transactions instead of uh, investing in our society deeply um, and having a broader base of firms instead of single firms that um, can then marshal their monopolistic tendencies to um, influence how oversight and regulation takes place on their empires and in turn on our ability to own things. So like if car companies like right to repair was talked about a lot this year, but nothing happened. It hasn't really happened in New York yet because there's been stiff resistance and it keeps coming up. There's, there keeps being stories about it, but the, the, the uh, long and the short of it is these are monopolistic firms that are, not interested in opening up their systems as much as consumers would like. And in fact, their business models have much more to do with, um, with, um, predation of their customers, uh, right to own things. And I think this is a, a critique that, um, this year has been shown for what it is, which is predatory and not in the interest of people. Can I, can I just illustrate um, what has happened with this bill over the past year to illustrate your point? Sure. Uh, the final version uh, enjoyed rare bipartisan support passing the state assembly 147 to 2, and the Senate 59 to 4. It's pretty powerful. Now, um, there's a big stipulation here, though. The bill doesn't include vehicles, home appliances, farm equipment, or medical devices. All the useful stuff you rely on and we need access to. Yeah, that's, and, and, but that's, that's why I got such uh, huge support, because it didn't include these controversial things. That's a short list of the first things we want access it's to. It's not even controversial. It's just basically um, uh, where the objections were loudest from those powerful entities. Uh, you can list a couple companies uh, for every single one of those off the top of your head, I'm sure. But uh, the people behind it were hoping to add these provisions later on. But 
Getting the bill as written into law has proven to be difficult. Uh, the bill has been parked for months without any movement on the desk of New York Governor Kathy Hochul. I don't know what's going on up there, but um, obviously it's got the support. It should pass. Sitting on a desk, let's let's find it, let's get it signed, and let's improve it. Okay, and just as an example, on the other, the flip side of that, think of Facebook in its heyday when it was making all kinds of ad money. Okay, um, in and uh, was politically valuable and uh, propped up with a lot of money. They. Uh, had things like the open compute initiative where they were giving away schematics for switching hardware. Like if you can put this together, take it, you know, that kind of thing. Like the, 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 uh, imperative to, to open up hardware frameworks, to contribute protocols, to build on the network we've built instead of just selling cheap versions of, aspects of the service um it is possible there are there are there have been movements and precedents towards this that you know whatever these firms need like they they clearly are mostly interested in profit and not necessarily fixing some of the the uh consequences of the technologies that are being put forth and and i I just think uh my prediction going forward is is um uh, what what are we doing at this level of production and, and what, what are we doing with the um, development capabilities that we have and, um, and the, uh, the intellectual properties, the, the ideas that we create and, and, um, and care for in this country are valuable. And this goes right down to photolithography and all the semiconductor stuff that's, that's been uh, talked about as well. And what we're building upon in the future, um, you know, we, we need to have a very clear-eyed idea of the consequences of, um, you know, what and how we, we um, build those things, whether they're open or, or um, you know, where, where we um, place our emphasis in, in um, technolo- technological advances going forward. What's the prediction? The prediction is that it, it will... Um, be sort of a continuing continuation of not trusting people. Uh, you know, this idea that we were all networked and that it was all great, that we're all like socially connected and that's better for society. No, no, it's, this is now like maximum, uh, or, or, or like maximum lack of trust, zero trust models and, and the like, along with this, um, unfreeing of the internet, right? We're, we're, closing off in many ways networks to you pick a part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we're tiering uh, uh, service levels uh, with like uh, net neutrality. Uh, you don't even talk about that I, anymore. I can't even talk to people on instant messaging anymore because everyone's using a different system. We're fragmenting because platforms are becoming radicalized in one sense and there's churn in people leaving and going. There's mm-hmm. monetization. Like how many people do you know now that have blogs that are they charge independently? That's great. That was very much... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, a direction we've we've talked about at Hope. Let Kyle finish this point, but first, like and subscribe, and please, won't you visit our our donation page? You know, but that is a, a new model, but it's it's hard because everyone is in the legacy sense on this. Everything is free, but ad powered. Well, yeah. So 
we're in that transitional period again about what are we going to do with um, our our ability to create technology because whether it's a network or um, a lithographic design, like we care about where it goes and how it's used now in, in a much more visceral sense. So my prediction is um, information is going to become ever more valuable and contested in, in, uh, in what is, I would say, a, a theater of warfare. Okay, good. Uh, I was uh, kidding just now about uh, the donation page, but I'm not kidding when I say you should visit WBAI's donation page because your contributions are what make this radio show and this radio station possible. So go to give to WBAI.org, give the number to WBAI.org, donate whatever you can. It's the end of the year, so uh, there's all kinds of tax reasons why uh, a, a nice donation would make sense. You can also call 212-209-2950, assuming there are people there. Uh, you can talk in person and get all kinds of amazing thank you gifts. The biggest thank you gift of all is 99.5 FM in New York City, continuing to broadcast at full power, reaching, I believe, uh, four states at this point, uh, and of course, the entire world over WBAI. Org. This is Off the Hook. We talk about technology. We talk about hacking. We talk about privacy and all kinds of security abuses. And tonight we are talking about the end of the year, the beginning of the new one. And Alex, it is now your turn to give um, uh, your idea of the most important story of 2022 and a prediction for 2023. Sure. I'm going to carry on the theme of the evening, which is, I think, about implosions and collapses and various uh, um, calamities like that. And I'm going to say that you know one of the most interesting stories of the year for me happened very recently in November, and that was the collapse of FTX, the cryptocurrency exchange that we had discussed at some length here on Off the Hook, also on Overtime. I think uh, we devoted quite, quite a bit of time to that. And I think it's so fascinating to see that collapse so quickly because there are so many lessons to be learned from the demise of, of FTX. And I think we learned really clearly that uh, governance matters in an internal cryptocurrency platform like that. You know, governance and, and controls over who can do what with what currency and how money is, is, is changing hands and moving around and and how uh, that's logged and audited, that really, really matters. And I think that we also learned that transparency is key when it comes to how governance mechanisms work. Um, and I also think a really, really important lesson that we learned from the collapse of FTX is that there is no such thing as smart money. You cannot follow the investors the, that have been putting money in like Sequoia and in all of these others that, you know, you would ordinarily say, hey, these are the smart guys. They know what they're doing. They're investing in these platforms. They're investing in these companies. Therefore, they must have done their due diligence and they must have they must know that this is a good thing. So I'm going to pile on. And 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 that indicates some kind of um, trustworthiness or at least some kind of um, maturity, I think, w with respect to whatever the product or where the company is. I, you know, as we saw with FTX, that just really isn't the case. There's no such thing as following the smart money anymore. And 
Uh, I'll jump right into my predictions, unless anybody has anything else to add about uh, FTX. Well, but I, you know, I think I, I think you made some really good points there, um, and and just watching Bankman-Fried like, as he's uh, making his way into uh, into court or prison or whatever his, his fate uh, holds for him, um, I I just see a a kid who basically got way too much power and and um, just let it run away billions and billions of dollars and the playboy lifestyle and all that it never should have happened never should have happened and um you know i i i see how he now realizes how over his head he actually was i wonder how many other people are out there right now uh, who have way too much power and that when they finally lose control so many innocent people wind up paying for their mistakes you know it's uh, did you have any opinion on what sh what should happen to him uh, I mean, well, I don't, I don't want to, you know, pre preempt a trial here, and you know, there's still a lot of facts that are shaking out. There's a lot going on with the creditor situation, so I, I, I don't want to make any predictions there. But I, I will, you know, sort of comment on the, you know, the facts of what have happened in the in recent weeks, or rather, really within the last week or so, which is that. You know, SBF uh, agreed to be extradited to the United States and and actually received bail. So he's out in California on bail, um, but he's going to be going to trial uh, in the Southern District of New York at some point in 2023, and and probably facing the same cadre of prosecutors that our dear friend Virgil Griffith had faced in in his trial. And this is, you know, this, this is a very very tough place to to go to trial. There are extraordinarily talented. Uh, lawyers in the Southern District of New York in the U.S. Attorney's Office there. And what I thought was really interesting, too, is that, you know, there are very close people connected to SBF. You know, I think it was the woman who ran Alameda Research, and, and, I, th and I believe one of his closest confidants had already pleaded guilty. And the U.S. Attorney's Office had, had not allowed that fact to come out to the public while SBF was weighing whether or not to agree to extradition. And because they, obviously, if we knew that people were collaborating with the government, he would have been less likely to agree to extradition and would have fought that over in the Bahamas. Can you plead guilty already... secretly, though? Uh, yes, they can, yeah. 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 Or they can agree to plead guilty, mm -hmm. you know, and, they, and, they, and the plea doesn't have to happen in, in court until uh, a certain period of time. But the fact that they had agreed to plead guilty was not released to the public while SBF was weighing whether or not to, to agree to extradition. Alex? Um, yes, go ahead. Is go that ahead. is that um, part of his responsibility to weigh the likelihood of people he interacted with in his dealings? Like, that's a possibility he has to judge that possibly they've already pled guilty that's partially why they don't reveal that because they want his judgment to be the the uh, fulcrum of that. Yeah, I mean, it it definitely is something that he has to factor into what whatever calculus is going on in his head, right? I mean, this is the the classic prisoner's dilemma, quite, right? Quite literally, you know, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, where you don't know who's collaborating and who's getting the benefit of the collaboration, and you know, the idea, I guess, in the prisoner's dilemma, you know, I'm not a game theory expert, right? I think would be for everybody to not cooperate would, would I think, drive the, the, the best, what would drive the, the greatest benefits to all of those parties, right? But if you are a collaborator, if you do collaborate with the government, you're the first one to do it, then you get the greatest benefit, right? So, 
You know, I think um, the parties we should be concerned about are all the parties that lost so much money. What what happens to them? They just out of luck forever? No, no, no. They're they're creditors. And John Ray the Third, who is now the CEO and who's taken over FTX, and you know, he's in charge of of winding up its affairs and trying to get access to all of the funds that. Uh, were misappropriated or converted and spread around to various places. And you think about what happened. I mean, I think there's going to be substantial fallout. This is part of my predictions here. But the fallout from FTX, you can kind of move right into this, I think, quite naturally, is going to be really, really substantial. And I think there are going to be political ramifications of this on both sides of the aisle because these creditors and and John Ray III, who's in charge of uh, making sure the creditors get what's due to them, is being very aggressive when it comes to trying to wind back this this money. And looking at what went out of that exchange, I think about 90 days prior to the declaration of bankruptcy in, in November, uh, is going to be really, really interesting, especially because that encompasses the time period leading up to the midterm elections. And we know that SBF and some of his closest confidants at FTX had sent a gigantic amount of money over to the Democrats mm-hmm. and had funded a huge number of Democrats' uh, political campaigns ahead of the midterm elections. But let's let's be clear here. It wasn't just the Democrats. It was, uh, it was also the Republicans. The Republicans received, I think— I don't remember exactly, but I think it was close to to twenty million dollars worth of worth of funds coming from FTX. So that's no insubstantial amount was either. Was there any indication and, that either Democrats or Republicans knew the source of this? Oh, they knew the source. Yeah, I mean, it was coming from FTX. Was pro- I, I don't know exactly how they did it, but one of the charges that the Southern District has levied against SBF, uh, in in addition to to essentially financial fraud, wire fraud is, interestingly enough, uh, a violation of campaign finance laws mm-hmm. uh, by donating all of this money um, in, in excess of what he was allowed to donate by law. But, but did, probably, did the people he was donating to know that he was violating the law by doing that? That's, that's my question. Well, that I'm not sure. That okay. I, I don't think – I think it would be hard for them to know that unless they understood the mechanisms by which he was getting them the money. So I, I don't think that will – I don't think that they're going to um, allege some kind of campaign finance crime um, against any of the, the members of Congress or the sitting politicians or candidates who had received these funds. I think that would be that would be highly unusual. But what's interesting is once they realize that the money came from FTX uh, and it might be tainted, instead of returning it to FTX, they donated it. A lot of these candidates had donated it to various causes. And and John Ray III had said that, well, you know, that's not going to stop them from seeking to enforce their creditors' rights here. Mm-hmm. That even if they, they donated these funds to to some kind of charity, some uh, charity forward on in the chain, they're going to then ask the money, ask for the money back from whatever that charity is. Because the money ultimately did not belong to the candidates or the politicians that received it. If they pushed it on, they didn't actually have the right to do that. So they're going to try to unwind all of these transactions. It's going to be very interesting to see where um, that money has uh, has gone. But um, I think part of my predictions here, though, is that we're, we're going to see more 
uh, of a collapse of, uh, of I think, uh, other cryptocurrency exchanges and coins and ventures. And, and part of that, uh, Emmanuel, is because all of these guys were so highly leveraged with each other that the collapse of FTX is going to have this domino effect or this, this cascading effect. And I think because of that, we're going to see more and more breaches and, and, and thefts, of, uh, more and more breaches of exchanges and thefts of digital assets. And this crosses over directly with what we care about um, on this show, which are cybersecurity issues and hacking issues. I think we're going to see that a lot of these exchanges and platforms have, uh, we're, we're operating with uh, insufficient security controls in place, that there may be issues with the uh, smart contract uh, code that underlies a lot of these particular assets. But I think, you know, and here's where, you know, and I've said this before um, uh, directly on our show, or maybe it was overtime, but I think, I'll say it again, I think emerging from this rubble are going to be projects that could be, that could be considered, you know, relatively to be on more uh, terra firma, to speak. And I think that, you know, as you see a lot of the hype and a lot of the this excessive money draining away from the cryptocurrency uh, platforms and, and these nascent blockchain ventures, I think we're going to see you know, more and more kind of mundane projects that actually have you know, real utility to people's lives. I think we're going to see even things like uh, like NFTs begin to have more actual utility in people's lives other than just some kind of speculative investment. I think we're going to see more innovative uses of smart contracts, and, and we're going to see that type of code really evolve. And I think that, you know, quite frankly, you know, because Ethereum is at the, the core of uh, of how smart contracts have been operating, and that even though it's a currency, it's almost an ancillary form of what the Ethereum Foundation is interested in. I think Ethereum and the Ethereum name service are really going to be at the core of a lot of these developments in, in 2023. So I think it's going to get worse, but I think in the latter half of 2023, we're going to start to see things you know, really get better. Okay, interesting prediction. We're going to hold you to that. Uh, we're in our last two minutes. Rob, looked like you might have something to say. Did you have uh, something to add? Um, to, um, earlier today, I was... Uh, and uh, I was reading a very interesting discussion on Reddit, which uh, kind of ties all this together, what Alex was saying, and uh, the Elon Musk situation, um, because, and I preface this with, I don't know a lot about the stock market and things like that, but I was reading this discussion about how Tesla's at a, at a, at a low for the year, and it was driven by Elon's antics on Twitter, but uh, a lot of people are looking at this as the price of Tesla correcting itself and just becoming in line with its another car manufacturer. Um, now that it's not fueled by the whole mystique of, oh, there's this genius in charge with all these ideas and all this hype. Um, now that it's now that it's uh, been revealed that basically it's it's a car company led by this person who is now uh, acting in this manner, like the Tesla is now losing the hype of being the Tesla and becoming just a car that's got to be judged alongside all the other ones out there now, now that all the other car manufacturers are in the uh, e electric vehicle space and things like that. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's going to have to be the last word for now, but it's not the last word tonight because we are continuing the conversation over on Overtime, which you can get to by going to Channel 2600 on YouTube or clicking on the link on top of the 2600.com webpage. Again, let me remind people to support WBAI by going to give to WBAI.org or calling 212-209-2950. 
Remember, none of this conversation will be possible without a radio station to transmit it all over the place. And um, there are so many other worthwhile programs that are um, broadcast over 99.5 FM in the course of a typical week. All right, that's going to do it for us here. We are not on next week, but we are on Overtime in just a few minutes, 8 o'clock, Channel 2600 on YouTube. We'll see you soon. Sharper than a straight razor shave. Cooler than a stealer, put the blade to a point. It's worldwide currency, they wishing well coins. It's high fidelity bang, they speak a leak noise. And not a Chuck D level, y'all at petite level. How gun do travel, spread love, beat devils. Walk soft and carry the crow magnum. Size club and smashing the soft rainy fragment. Free fire, spit smoke, blow away your ashes. Smart enough, dumbass. This ain't bump class. Atmosphere above that, you can't touch that. Real, forever real, they can hate it. I love that It's bigger than hip-hop Hypes and wicked government Brooklyn a war winning And I give a f***ing this You winning for the most suckerous Dumbest No getting love in this When real riders up in this biatch Dudes more bitch than bitch Reeboks They arms king biatch The base seven three yachts These dudes doped in this detox Turkey wing clean up your act You act like crack ha. I've been a lot and I will never be that I got the right and exact And a trap for the rats The liars and the saps The posers and the hacks Landmine Mainline Spine goes snaps, bait, vainglorious, phantasmagoria, crack Pandora on each and every all of you, whoever you can call them, you better start calling them, then call a car in a white drape for all of you, greatest ain't greater than, strongest ain't strong enough, biggest ain't bigger than a real small portion of the legendary trilatory top rank officer, get lost big boss, this boss, boss you, chip on your shoulder, I'ma knock it right off your bay, torpedo, blast, smash the ego, sniper on the range, sniper bang, no reload, RPG to get free, People blap, one clip and they evil done with Fucking like they want trouble and really want They probably want trick like a ski on a strip Get money in your midst of a killer pimp Loud mouth rhetoricals and ain't sick you can talk till you die and you ain't said this Unless you're repeating the phrase of y'all busiest 17th verse of the 25th Ezekiel Lethal Let us pray for the souls of these suckers I'm back, motherfucker, yeah January, February, marching with the people April, may I have a black star sequel to the black caucus June, July, the black August September to October, you find me with black daughters November, when we come for that office The black potus, black lotus, flower fall in December Go ask the weatherman, colder than the winter wind Day after December we celebrating Yasin's birthday Brooklyn, New York City, that's the scene of my birthplace I'm so on top of this pop the metropolitan Frolicking with the populace, toppling all the charlatans My songs acknowledge the heroes, the need, honor And the promise we demolish in all confederate monuments I'm noticing how these Nazis become congressmen They're softer than some moccasins away faking a collagen It doesn't matter if they scholars or got doctorates Or hiding behind fake names like Tommy Robinson or bombing them Plus the sleeve is monogram If a die come back and perform as a hologram Can't tell if it's a boy or a girl get a sonogram My name is floating up and down the Ave like dollar vans Fam, my service may believe me If a lot for in Morocco, I'm packing the tray of sheets And the pipers are passing, I'm stabbing these sacred seeds So sharp, I'm making a bleed, I have for them make believe I come from a place of peace, but they only respect the violence You get arrested for domestic silence Rappers is vampires, we the likers Even the vikers, no match against attacks from the cocker reliance Bring it together like a high-fix liars Testing my patience, never stopping Cause my parents have never had a vacation relocating Looking at places along the ocean Smoking trees under trees The shadiest rapper motors calamities Flash catastrophe, add an apostrophe Your whole philosophy is mediocrity, atrocities Committed in the name of owning property, monopolies uh, That's my apostasy uh, 